0: Um, when I was young, I, uh, you know, I was. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in church, and I grew up reading the Bible and praying, and and um, the Lord answered some of those prayers. Sometimes, sometimes kind of miraculously, God would answer prayers of mine and things like that, and but as i got older and became a teenager and you see all your other teenage friends going out and partying and having fun and and doing things that that you don't do and and talking about how fun it was and and things um i decided that i wanted to do the same thing you know i wanted to go out and experience what it was like to get drunk to get high to uh, have sex and all those things and and uh, so basically i did that and and uh and just got deeper and deeper into it. And it's one of those things that the deeper I got, the less fulfilling it became. And I just wanted to read a, a scripture in Ecclesiastes because, and you don't have to turn there if you want, if you don't want to, but in Ecclesiastes 2, it's just so much like my life was. Um, it says, uh, I set my mind, in verse 13, I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been under done under heaven. It's a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I've seen all the works which have been done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were over Jerusalem before me, in my mind, observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge, and I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I realized that this also is striving after the wind, because in much wisdom there's much grease, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. So in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure, so enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was futility. I said of laughter, it's madness and of pleasure. What does it accomplish? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. And so this is just the story of a man who's tried it all. And um, when I was living in sin, I tried it all. Uh, I. Um, I tried to see you know, how drunk I could get, how how high I could get, and and basically I was just getting more and more debauched, and the more that I did that, the higher that I would get, the drunker that I, I would get, the more sex that I would practice and stuff, it just left a hole inside of me, and it was just like the writer says, it was all vanity and stuff, and the more I chased after it, the bigger that hole got. And the more dissatisfied I became with it and and I'm, and the more unfulfilling it got. And that's the thing. We think that the world, you think that all that we're told by the world, you know, just, just go have sex with as many women as you can. You'll be fulfilled, right? That's what the movies do. James Bond, you know, he can have any woman that he wants to, you know, or you know, or just get drunk and, you know, and even the people that you work with, the people that you hang out, they talk about sin as something that will bring fulfillment, something that will bring joy to you. And what I found was, is that it didn't bring any of those things. And so what I did is just like the writer of Ecclesiastes, it made me try harder, you know, instead of saying, you know, this is stupid. This is a waste of time. It's foolishness. It's vanity. It's emptiness. I just, I tried harder. And I thought, well, if, if this amount of drugs doesn't do it, more drugs will. Or if this amount of alcohol doesn't do it, more alcohol will. Or if this amount of sex doesn't do it, more sex will. And the more that, again, that I tried it, the more it just got worse and worse, and I became more and more empty. And um, it, was just, it was just vanity, and it was all, and I, and I was just in this, I fell into this great depression, and I just didn't want to live anymore. Because everything that I had tried brought nothing but dissatisfaction in my heart, and and truly it was it was driving me to um, almost the point of suicide. But the problem is is I didn't have the courage to do it because I I knew that if I killed myself I would go to hell, and so so I was stuck in this rut. I was stuck in this. Um, you know, a, a self-fulfilling cycle, you know, one of those things where you're, you're trapped in something that you can't quit, but the more you do it, it just makes that trap even, even worse. Right. You know? And so it, it's, and it's just, it's, it's like a dog chasing its tail. You're never going to catch it, but you, but for some reason you feel driven to keep pursuing it and stuff. And, and so, Literally, I had no peace. I had no joy. Um, I would wake up in the mornings and I would say, God, I I wish you'd just take me out. I I wish I wish I didn't have to get out of bed this morning. I wish I could just die, essentially, and stuff. And so um, I, I You know, while I was in that place, I would pray and I would I would seek God to to deliver me from this, to deliver me from this bondage that I felt inside from this hole, from this emptiness and and nothing was happening. Um, God would not deliver me from that because the the way that I was doing it was that I was still going to sin. I was still going to live my life the way that I wanted to live it, do what I wanted to do. And and yet I wanted God to come help me. I wanted God to come bring me joy. I wanted God to come bring me peace. I wanted God to bring me some kind of fulfillment. And God's like, I'm not doing any of that until I came to the point to where I was that I came to the very end of myself, to the very bottom, to the point to where I'm like, okay, God, I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of the drinking. I'm sick of the drugs, the alcohol, the women, the, the all these things that I had pursued, all these things that I had chased and not fo- found fulfillment. And it's like, I finally came to the point to where I was willing to surrender and to renounce it all, to reject it all and to stop following that lifestyle and to truly and totally and completely give my life over to Jesus. When I did that, all of a sudden, and, and I, come, I came to the Lord and I said, Lord, I can't live like this anymore. And I don't want to live like this. I'm ready now for you to come into my life and to be the Lord of my life. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give all of that up and to follow you. When I prayed that prayer, the whole something came inside of me. I know that now is the Holy Spirit. At that time, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that all of a sudden a weight was off of me. I mean, like the weight of, the, I mean, like I read that in Pilgrim's Progress. I'm like, that's my life because I felt exactly like the weight of the world just fell off of me and that all of a sudden I had a clean slate now. And when I say that I had a clean slate, I was guilty and I knew I was guilty. I knew that, that I had done rotten things. I knew that I was uh, a sinner. I knew that I had done things that had grieved God's heart. And, and I needed a savior. I needed to be forgiven. And so again, when, when I prayed that all of a sudden I felt like I had been washed, that I had been cleansed from all of that. And all of that was in the past. That God had completely forgiven it. I didn't have to carry that guilt anymore. I didn't have to carry the shame anymore. I had a brand new slate. It was a brand new day. Everything from that day forward was all new. And I could rewrite my history. And that's the beauty of Christianity. You can totally rewrite your history. When you come to the Lord and you seek Him in forgiveness, the Bible says He cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. He cast. Cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, and he doesn't remember them anymore, right? Mm. And so um, so basically what we're talking about is today is Easter. And again, a lot of people don't know what Easter means, just like Christmas. A lot of people don't mean, know what Christmas means. A lot of people think Christmas is just giving each other presents and, you know, having a tree and Christmas lights and things like that. And they really have no conception of what uh, Christmas is. And so... But to talk about the gospel and to talk about Jesus, we really have to start at the very beginning because you have to lay a foundation in order to understand what Christianity is all about. And uh, so. Christianity started, well, the world. We believe that God created the world. God created the cosmos. God created the uh, the universe and everything in it, even the laws of physics, everything that we know, everything that we experience on a day-to-day basis was created by God. Um, when When he created it, everything was perfect. Everything was pristine. Everything had that new earth smell to it. Everything was bright and shiny and, and wonderful. There was no taint in it. There was no darkness in it. There was nothing bad about it in any way, shape or form. And that's what God created. And in the midst of this garden, in the midst of his creation, he created man, he created Adam and Eve, right? And there are forefathers. Um, And when he created them, he created them perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. There was no, there was, uh, it was all beautiful. It was all perfect and stuff. So when he created them, he says, you know what? I'm going to put you guys in charge of everything. You can name all the animals. You you can cultivate everything. Everything Mm -hmm. belongs to you. You guys have complete autonomy, complete uh, freedom, complete authority under me, of course. And he's like, but there's one thing that I don't want you to do. I do not want you to eat off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else, you can do that. Uh, There's no restrictions. There's no limitations on anything except you cannot eat from that tree. On the day that you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Now, you're not going to die physically, but you will die spiritually. Okay? Okay. Um, and we all know the story. We know that Satan came in and he tempted Adam and Eve. And what'd they do? They ate off the tree. From that point onward, sin entered the world. A cancer had entered the world. And this is the thing that people don't understand. It's not like God is just this God that's, you know, just wants, you know, these uptight and he wants everything done his way. You know, like a father that you can't please in any way or anything. He is not like that at all. Matter of fact, he didn't give them a million rules. He just told them there's this one thing that you can't do. And the reason why he told them that was not for his benefit, even though uh, he, he created everything. He created everything is to serve him. Everything is to glorify him. Everything is for his purposes. And you, he's the creator, right? He created it all. Everything belongs to him. It should be done according to the way he wants it to be done, right? And, and so, but... The thing is, is he knew that if they sinned, if they disobeyed him, that it would unleash into the world something a million times greater than cancer. Something a million times more deadly than coronavirus or any other thing that we know of. And that was sin. Before sin came into the earth, there was none of this man's inhumanity to man. There was no hatred. There was no... um, There was no bigotry. There was no um, incest. There was no rape. There was no uh, murder. All of those things have come in as a direct result of sin because the very nature of sin, the very heart of sin is selfishness. I'm going to have my things my way, no matter what it costs anybody else. It's going to be my way. Right, and so instead of God being the, the Lord and our Savior and our King, we have now made mankind ourselves the King and the authority and the one that we listen to, the one we turn to. When I want to do something, I will ask myself for advice. Right, is this what I want to do? Mm, sure, okay. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to do I'm going to live it on my terms and I don't care what anyone thinks whether it hurts them whether it doesn't hurt them and some people take that to more or less degree but we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God right Mm -hmm. so basically when Adam and Eve sinned all they did was unleash it into the into the earth now we personally are guilty because we too have partaken of that. that. We have chosen of our own volition of our own will that I'm going to do that myself, right? And so basically what has been unleashed into this world it is is a disease that has infected the whole world and it's called sin. And this is what God did not want to happen. God tried to get us, and God is still pleading with us today. Because every time we sin, it releases some of that poison. It's like that virus, right? Every time we sin, it—it it, no one sins in a vacuum, right? Anytime one person sins, it affects the whole world and stuff. And so... So mankind was in darkness. Mankind was in despair. Mankind had no answer. So what's the answer? Jesus, right? And this is why we celebrate Easter. This is what Easter is all about. And this is what salvation is all about. God, even from the very minute when Adam and Eve sinned, God says, you know what? I'm going to send a Savior for you. And he's going to redeem mankind from their sins and from their wickedness. And he's going to stop the spread of this virus called sin. So he sent his son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin. Uh, we celebrate his birth on Christmas. And again, a lot, most, a lot of us don't even know what Christmas is about. We think it's about getting presents. And we think it's about us getting things, right? But it's not that at all. It's that God sent his son for all of mankind, and, you know, and, and the thing is, is what's interesting to me, what's always been a little bit interesting to me is that we always have this big thing about Easter and we are not Easter, but Christmas. And we always celebrate Easter, but really it's Christmas Uh I'm sorry, it's Easter that we should truly be celebrating, right? I mean, it's awesome that God sent his son, but if Jesus had not died for us, we would still be in our sins and there would be no hope of salvation for us. Does that make sense? So um, Jesus came to the earth about 2000 years ago. He lived for 33, about 33 years uh, on the earth. And even though he was God, he chose not to use his power for himself ever. Jesus never once used his power for himself for i mean he he lived his life healing people casting demons out of people healing blind people even raising people from the dead but he never worked one miracle for himself for himself he lived just like you and me with all of his we- with all of our weaknesses you know like that song says what if god were one of us just a slob like one of us that's exactly what happened god came down to the earth in In the form of frail human beings without any kind of advantage, without any kind of extra help to have him not sin, he laid all of that aside and he lived as a human being with all of our weaknesses, with all of our trials, with all of our disappointments, with all of our failures and stuff, except for he never sinned. Uh, He was born into poverty, born to struggling parents with no advantages. Um, his, his parents were poor. Um, they didn't have a lot and stuff. Um, he, but he lived a sinless life because he said no to every temptation that ever came to him. He never once gave in to temptation, unlike Adam and Eve and unlike us. Now, again, it wasn't that temptation was easier for him than it is for us. It was just as hard for him. And it would have been just as easy for him to say, you know what? Just this once. Just this once. It'll be okay. I'll just do this little sin. God will forgive me and it'll be all good. But he didn't do that. And because of that, he was able to go to the cross and satisfy the demands for sin. In other words, there is a punishment for sin, right? And some, there, someone had to pay that punishment. But it couldn't be us because we're sinners, right? A sinner can't pay for the sins of another sinner, it had to be someone who had never sinned, and Jesus was that someone. Um, again, when he was alive, when he was living on the earth, he, he traveled around healing people, casting demons out of people. Uh, like I said, even bringing back people from the dead and preaching the gospel or the good news, telling people that they could be reconciled to God the Father. So again, because of our sins, the Bible says that your sins have brought a separation between you and God. God is too holy. God is too pure to associate with, with sin. Right? It's it's again. It's like us uh, quarantining, quarantining ourselves or or social distancing. Why? Because you know that if you get around that disease, it's gonna it's gonna affect you. Well, obviously that's a bad example because our sins aren't gonna affect God. But again, He he will have nothing to do with sin because he's pure and he's holy and he's righteous and it is completely other than his nature and his character. Um, He told people to turn from their sins and turn to God in Matthew 4 17. He told people to repent for the kingdom of God was at hand. Um, He said that he would give us peace in a troubled world. He says, my peace, I live to you. I leave to you not as the world does, but my peace. Um, Again, most of us are looking for joy. And we do these things that we think bring us joy or bring us happiness. And what's the world always tells us, you know, be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. You know, the world always tells us to look for happiness and stuff. The thing is, is happiness is a counterfeit a lot of times of joy. Yeah. Because joy lasts forever. Joy lasts through the hard times. Happiness, as soon as happiness is gone, it's, it's like the mist. It's like a fog in the morning, right? As soon as, as, soon as your happiness is gone, it's, it's forgotten. Yeah. Joy, though, will give you the ability to endure hard things and yet still have a confidence and have a peace no matter what your trials are. And especially if you have the presence of God living within you, you have the Holy Spirit in you who walks with you through your trials, who walks through you through every bad time, through every circumstance. And he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And some of us sometimes just need to open our ears and allow him to speak to that. But you know what? The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And when we sin and when we fall down, sometimes we're, we're like, God, I'm sorry. And Satan's like, God doesn't forgive you. God doesn't hear your prayers. The Bible says if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And not just to forgive you of your sins, but to cleanse you from your unrighteousness. Yeah. This is Jesus. Jesus longs to forgive us. Jesus longs to have fellowship with us. He longs to unite us back with the Father. Satan wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. And he wants to destroy you. This is not God. And that's the thing. Satan will accuse that on God. Satan will say, God doesn't love you. God sees that you've fallen. How many times have you fallen now? God sees that and he hates you. God says, I'm with you. I will help you back up. And that's his nature and that's his character. Um, So again, Jesus did all these things for us. But the thing is, is Jesus was not just some kind of a cosmic hippie, right? He wasn't just come down from heaven preaching peace and hey man, peace, good, God loves you and stuff like that. He also said, I mean, he did preach peace, right? And it's his desire that we have peace, not not just peace within ourselves, but peace with the father, my warfare, because I used to be at enmity with God. I used to hate everything about God. I used to hate his commandments. I used to hate, um, I used to hate his word and that's the world, right? They hate everything that has to do about God. And if you don't think so, just start talking about Jesus to them. They'll let you know how much they hate it, right? Because it convicts them of their sins, right? Right? And uh, but again, God, Jesus wants to restore us and he wants his heart is to deliver us. Um, And again, it's when Jesus was on the earth, he he would he would also he would say things like my peace, I give you my joy, I give you. And, And he again, he wanted to restore us to the father. But he would also say things like if anyone wants to be my follower, he has to deny himself or his selfishness, his selfish nature take up his cross and follow me daily. He also said that if you were going to follow him, you had to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. And the thing is is uh, these are things that are contrary to the natural man. These are things that, that the the man that is lost in sin, the man who is living for his own against selfish desires and living for himself, cannot do. This is something that you can only do when the Spirit of God comes inside you and grants you the power and the ability to live this way. And but the thing of that is, is his Bible, the Bible makes it clear that if you ask him, if you're sincere, he will do that for you. Um, Also, Jesus stood against the religious elites who used religion as a way to get rich and to exercise abusive spiritual authority over people. He even made a whip once and drove them out of the temple because of their abuses of power and position and because they were perverting God's nature and what he is truly like. So this is God. This is a complete picture of Jesus. Jesus is full of love. He's full of mercy, but he is also against the things that his father hates. And so what what Jesus was doing when he was on the earth was saying, look, if you're going to follow God, this is something where you have to go all in, right? This is not something that you, Christianity is not for the timid, it's not for the weak, it's not for people that go to church as a social thing, it's for someone that says, Lord, I'm going to lay down my life for you, and I'm going to lay down all of it. I'm going to lay down all my sins, all my wicked ways, my wicked thoughts, my wicked deeds, and I am going to stop being the Lord of my life. I am going to stop saying this is how I'm going to live according to my desires. But now I'm going to let Jesus come in. And now your word is going to dictate to me how I'm going to live my life. It's no longer me living for myself, but it's Christ who lives within me now. So so the religious elites had him killed. That no one likes to be exposed as frauds and, frauds and abusers, especially if you have a monopoly on it, which they did, right? Uh, business was good, and they weren't going to let this nobody, this wandering preacher, wreck their good time. So Christianity is about reality. It's about, this is the truth of the situation. And a lot of us that live in the world, we don't want the truth. What we want is we want partial truths. And, you know, Christianity a lot of times reminds me of that movie, The Matrix, where he says, well, where he had the two pills, he had the red pill and the blue pill. And he says, I can't can't do it for you. You have to experience it for yourself, right? And the thing is, is Jesus is the doorway to, to the Father. But again, just like when I was living in my sins and I wanted him to save me from my my um my pain and my loneliness and my my fears and my my depression, depression and things like that he's like i'm not going to do that until you're willing to lay aside your pride until you're willing to lay aside your sins which you love until you're willing to lay a- aside uh, your way of doing things and pick up your cross and follow me so <sighs> The religious leaders, they gave him the most painful, most humiliating death that they could come up with in their time, which was crucifixion. It was death by being hanged on a cross, um, basically naked, until you suffocated by your own body weight. Uh, But before that, they publicly humiliated him by bringing him into a trial where they had already declared him guilty before the trial even began. They had already convicted him and found him guilty there's There's no way he was going to win the trial said really so they beat him mercilessly to the point that ev- that uh that even those closest to him could barely recognize him. They mocked him, they dressed him in royal robes, and they shoved upon his head a crown that they had made of thorns um It's kind of like if you've ever seen a mesquite bush with the like one inch thorns on it and stuff. It's kind of that kind of same thing. Um, And this is stuff that he willingly suffered for us all throughout his life. He told the disciples, I'm going to go to the cross because he knew that that was the only way that mankind could have redemption. Again, that that was the only way that mankind could be brought into a right relationship with the father. Um, as they were leading him to the place of execution, the people who days before were praising him as their Messiah and King now spit on him and beat him and even ripped chunks of his beard out. I wonder a lot of times if some of those people that were doing that, some of the people that were cursing him, throwing rocks at him, I wonder if some of those people he had maybe healed. Maybe some of those people he had cast demons out of or their daughters or their sons or their children. Because again, three days before this, they're singing Hosanna to the son of David. This is the king. This is the Messiah. And now they're saying crucify him. So they nailed him to a cross that he died. And even as he hung there dying, a thief who was being crucified right beside him, Rightly so, he confessed his sins to Jesus, acknowledging that he deserved his, his punishment, while the other one, along with the crowd, mocked him. And Jesus forgave him and said, today, you're gonna to be with me in paradise. So even in that place of death, Jesus was filled with forgiveness, filled with longing, filled that people be reconciled with God. Then Jesus died, before he died, Everything became dark, like at nighttime. Like it says, for like three hours, everything was dark. You couldn't see anything. And at the moment that he died, there was an earthquake. And the thick veil, which I think the veil of the temple was maybe like 12 inches thick. It was really thick, really heavy, really, really, um, really strong. The veil of the temple was ripped in two, showing that he had opened the way to the Father for us. And when the Roman centurion who was standing beside him beside him saw these things he said surely this was the son of god And again all these things he did willingly for us no one else could die for our sins because again we're all sinners we have all chosen willingly to sin we each of us have sinned each of us has turned to his own way and none of us is righteous And yet he lived a sinless life. And so he was the only person who could be punished for our sins because he had never sinned. He was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And God poured out all of his wrath on him. And he died. They buried him in a tomb and they rolled a rock, which was probably many tons in front of the entrance. Not only that, the Romans, Roman soldiers, now, Roman soldiers were used to battle, were used to fighting, were used to wars. They were very hardened men. They they weren't less like security guards at the mall. They weren't like cops. These are professional soldiers. He sent like a squad, the the, the, uh, Pharisees sent like a squad of Romans to guard his tomb and make sure nothing happened to it. Again, these were very hardened soldiers who knew that if anything happened to Jesus' body, they were going to die. So they had a vested interest in making sure that nothing happened. But on the third day, three women went to the grave and found that the stone had been rolled away and it was empty. It was the first Easter. Jesus had risen from the dead. No power in heaven or hell or on this earth could stop him. He rose from the dead, rolled the stone away, and he lived. And that's what Easter is all about. The fact that Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless Lamb of God, died for my sins and He rose again. When He did, He conquered death. What was the punishment for sin? Death was the punishment for sin. We, mankind, was bound under the oath of death until Jesus came and broke it by raising again from the dead. Death could not hold Him because He was innocent and so he rose from the grave and, and he walked around on the earth for 40 days after he rose from the grave over 500 witnesses saw him now these witnesses were people that read the bible daily who 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 believed the bible who believed that god is a god of truth who hates liars who hates lying and so these were people who who um who lived their lives to tell the truth and to not lie about anything. And these people witnessed Jesus and they spoke that they saw Jesus and they told people that they saw Jesus. Some of them were even put to death because they said that Jesus rose again from the dead this is the greatest moment in history this is the crux of all history the moment when Jesus Christ rose from the dead there will never ever be anything else like it before before all mankind was doomed all mankind was dead there was no hope there was no God there was no way out of this until Jesus rose from the dead and he brought victory with Him. and he says anybody that's willing anybody that's, that wants to follow me I will receive this unto myself and we can have that same life and again those witnesses that they that saw him were willing to lay their lives down to be some of them were were um, tortured some of them were put to death and they never changed their story they said i saw jesus christ rise from the dead and they also said and we saw him ascend up into heaven to be at the right hand of god always praying for us I mean, imagine that you, you got all these people who are willing to be, to be tortured, who are willing to see family members tortured, who are willing to be killed and say, you know what? I don't care what you do to me. I saw it happen. And the thing is, is Mohammed never died for your sins. Allah never died for your sins. Mm-hmm. Joseph Smith never died for your sins. Buddha never died for your sins, and more than that, none of them ever rose from the grave for you. There's nothing like it. This is salvation. There is nothing like it. There is no one. there is salvation in no other name but Jesus. His name only, he is only the, he holds the keys to salvation. No one else can do that for you. So what does this mean for us? It means that you too can be born again. You can live forever with him both here on the earth where his spirit will come and live within us and eternally in heaven. Romans 10 verse nine says, "If if you believe, if you truly believe in your heart and confess he is Lord by your lifestyle, by the way that you live, he will be your savior. Again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess and don't forget, if we forsake our sins, he is faithful and, ju- and just to forgive our sins and also to cleanse us from every unrighteous thing we've ever done. How does this happen? You come to him in prayer. You come to him humbly. Um, some people say, like, like, I don't know how to pray. You, it, it, there's nothing to it. You know how to talk, right? You know how to communicate. That's all you're doing. You're just talking to God. And you're just being honest with him. You're being forthright with him. Uh, and you just speak to him normally. But, but when you do come to him, realize he's the king of the universe, right? So you come to him with reverence. And you come to him acknowledging that he is Lord. And he can give you the power over your sins. Yeah. And he can give you power over your sins. You think about, confess, and truly determine with all your heart to turn from every sin to acknowledge Him as your rightful King, Master, and Savior, and ask Him to send His Holy Spirit inside of you to cause you to be born again. Now, when you do this, take your time, okay? Some of us have spent 30, 40 years living in sin and stuff. we got a lot of stuff. Basically, you're just coming to Him and coming clean. Lord, these are all the things that I've done. I've lived a filthy lifestyle. I've been a, a... a perverted, wicked person, and, and don't be, don't hide anything back, because he knows everything anyway, right, so basically, like, it's like when you've offended a friend, or you've offended a, a, a someone that you care about, when you come to them, you don't come, and you're like, you know what, I, you know, okay, I made you mad, but you know, it's your fault too, because you shouldn't have done that to me, no, When you're truly repentant, when you come to a friend that you know that you've hurt, when you come to someone that you really care about, you know that you've hurt them, you lay it all down. And you say, you know what? I sinned against you. I did wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. When you come to Jesus with that kind of attitude, when you come with all your heart, the Bible says that he will hear you and he will answer him. He will answer you. He will be there for you. And he will send his Holy Spirit into you to give you the power to live a godly life. You can overcome by his power. You will know true peace, true joy, and eternal life with him. Again, Not only just in heaven, but as you live in the world, when you experience trials, when you experience suffering. And that's the thing. You know, we're not trying to sell you some pie in the sky thing. Christianity is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something to just do on the spur of the moment. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to sit down and count the cost first, okay? Because honestly, for me, truly, Christianity has been the hardest way to live. It's easy to live in the world, right? It's easy to live like an animal and to do whatever, you're, whatever you want to do. You know, you, if you're going, you know, whatever you're going to do, if you're going to go sin, you go sin. If you're, you know what I'm saying? But to live a life that's constrained is difficult because we're still tempted, right? We are surrounded, and that's the thing. We don't realize that we live, we are, we are physical beings who live in a spiritual world. all around us we're spiritual beings who live in a physical world but all around us there are other spiritual beings just like in the garden of eden satan still tries to tempt us all the time and just because you become a christian doesn't mean that you're immune to temptation It doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm perfect and I walk on clouds and I can walk through walls and, you know, I can walk on water and all that. It just means that now I have the Holy Spirit living in me, but I have to, the Bible says, resist the devil submit yourself to God and then the devil will flee from you a lot of us think and honestly when I became a new Christian I thought you know God's just automatically going to shield me he's going to automatically protect me nothing's going to stick to me you know and I'm just going to walk through you know like nothing, you know and that's the way honestly a lot of churches make it seem too but that's not true in this world Jesus said you will have tribulation but take heart, because I have overcome the world. And the Bible says that the same spirit that lived in him, that raised him from the dead, lives within you. He can give you the power to overcome. Right? And so, the, we live in a world where there are people being persecuted for their Christianity. There are still people today dying because they believe in this Jesus who rose from the grave. They're laying their lives down. They're, they're sacrificing. And again, this is not an easy way to live because when, when, someone, when someone says something bad about my wife, what do I want to do? I want to react in anger, right? If someone attacks me, I want to attack them back, right? This is just our natural inclinations, right? And these are the moments when we have to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, right? We're like, not my will, but your will be done. Isn't that what Jesus done on the cross? When he was being tempted to not go the way of the cross, he says, not my will, but your will be done. And so the the way of Christianity is a walk every day of taking up our crosses and following him, of doing the things that are not simple, of doing the things that are not always easy, but... We're doing it through his power and his strength. And we have his presence living within us. And we know true peace and true joy. And if we're walking in that place, nothing can shake us. And he says that uh, if you're in that place, and that's a thing too, is he's not going to make us puppets, right? Even as believers, he's not going to come and take your free will away from you. You still have the choice every day whether I'm gonna follow sin, whether I'm gonna follow temptation, or whether I'm gonna say no to that, whether I'm gonna resist it and say, God, I need you right now. I need your Holy Spirit to give me the power to overcome this temptation, right? And the thing is, is a lot of it is habits, right? Because we've lived 30, 40 years again with bad habits, and so now we have to, it's, it's it's a walk, that's why they call us disciples, right? Because it is a walk of discipline, right? Every day we get up, we put on our armor. We put on our blessed plate of righteousness. We put on our helmet of salvation. We take up the sword of the spirit. Because every day is a fight. Because there is an enemy who, again, wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. But God is with us. And greater is he that lives within me than he that's in the world. Amen? So... And again, and even when you do fall, Jesus says, the Bible says, if a righteous man falls seven times, get back up. I'm there with you and stuff. And that's the thing. As long as we are sincere in our hearts, as long as we're not indulging sins, as long as we're not practicing things, he says, I will be there for you. And and just like we the. the Verse in first uh, John said, if, uh, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. And J- Remember when Peter said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my, um, my brother if he sins against me? Um, how many times is Seven times. Seven times? And Jesus said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, it just goes on and on. And now if God tells us to forgive our brother, then how much more so is he that way towards us, right? Now, again, I'm not talking about someone that just sins and lives their lives the way they want to, goes to church and then just goes and parties and does whatever they want to do on the side and, you know, has sex with whoever they want to have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who's truly given their heart to him, who has truly made him the Lord and the Savior of their life. He will forgive you. He will wash you, he will cleanse you, and he will walk with you. He's like a father who doesn't, you know, when a father sees his child fall, he doesn't say, you stupid kid, what's wrong with you? He says, get back up. Let's do it again. Let's try it again. And it doesn't matter how many times you've fallen, he will pick you back up, and he will be there for you, and he will dust you off, and he will wash you, and he will encourage you, and he 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 will help you to walk again. I think it's interesting that um, in light of that, like in uh, Proverbs twenty four sixteen, it says, um, for the righteous man may fall seven times, uh, but will get up with a mm-hmm. wicked stumble and, uh, and calamity. That's good. That's good. And the thing is, is that's the way that works is again, when you fall, who are you going to listen to at that point? Are you going to listen to the Holy Spirit saying, it's okay, get back up. Get back up. Let's let's keep going. I'll strengthen you. And every time you fall, you're falling less and less and less, right? And you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Or do you listen to the voice of the enemy that says, see there? God's not with you. He doesn't care about you, right? So again... We have our choice of who we're going to listen to, who we're going to obey, if we're going to listen to the lies of unbelief or we're going to believe that there's a God who loves me and I don't care what voice I hear. I don't care who's telling me to stay down. I don't care what's trying to defeat me at this point. I'm going to get back up because He lives in me and He loves me and He died for me. He gave everything that He had for me. So... That is the God that we serve. The God that we serve is long-suffering, full of mercy, full of loving kindness, and He desires the best for us. He gave God the Father sent His only Son, so that we could be saved and that we could know Him. So, that's uh, that's pretty much it. That's uh, that's that's the gospel. That's Christianity. That's. Uh, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um we're going to post our our um our email address so that if anybody has any questions, if you've got any questions, feel free to email us. Feel free to We'd put our phone number on there, but I work a full-time job and I can't have people mm-hmm. calling me at work, so yeah, there is that. But uh but we'll put our email up there and if uh if um man, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you if you just need someone to be there for you, to shoulder to cry on, someone to to walk with you, to pray with you, to be there for you, we, we won't judge you, right? Because we've all been there. We've all we all we all know what it's like to disappoint God. We all know what it's like to to fail, to to have the best of intentions, but to but to not follow up on those. Peter was the same way. You know, and that's the thing, guys. There's so many examples in the Bible of people who failed. Peter fell. David fell. Moses fell. You know? And stuff. So, but but God is willing to forgive them as long as they get back up, as long as they continue walking. And, And like I said, that's what the body of Christ is for. We are here to support you. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to look down on you. We're not here to gloat over you or anything like that because, again... Um, we've been Christians for a, a while now, and like I say, we've fallen many times, and there are times when, when there, honestly, there are times when I'm like, God, I don't know why you still put up with me. I really don't, because, because I don't deserve it.